Welcome to Chit Chat with Hope and good night again. Tonight we're going to talk about being prepared for our children as they grow. They are a few children that when we um, watch them, and as they have grown into themselves, some of our children, when they hit the age of 13, probably earlier, but I'm going to start, I'm just going to say at 13, you know, middle school, we notice that their journey has changed. And when I say their journey has changed, I'm more or less talking about we see that they are capable of being more independent than we probably have thought but have hoped for, okay? So what I'm talking about is that for some of our children, we have noticed that there are things that um, their counterpart, their peers, in general education classes, the peers that are without disabilities, we have noticed that some of these things that their peers are doing, they are capable of doing as well. I'm going to say that again. As some of our children grow, they grow or like, I like saying they grow in themselves, where they are a lot of accomplishment that are made by, let's say, their siblings or other children without disabilities. We notice that within them, that these are things that our children can accomplish. Even though our children can accomplish these particular things, we also must be, you know, we have to get on the mindset of thinking ahead. You know, um, you know like for example, um, we notice that our children are capable of understanding the need that um, the need to have the independence of driving, we notice that um, not only do they want to drive, you know, we can see that they um, they dis, you know they verbally might have did, you know have discussion with us about um, I would love to um, drive when I get older, and we notice that they are capable of driving. They can remember. You know, if you you know you're driving with them in the car, and they're almost like a passenger driver. They are as alert as you are. They're understanding the rules of the street. You know, they're understanding the lights. They're understanding the no turning. They just totally get it as far as the signs and the rules that um, that a driver should have or should know. You know, so when you, you know, when we notice that, um, that our children are capable of doing the same things that either their um, siblings or 
their peers are capable of doing. The difference between um, a parent with a child with a special needs is that at 13, we know that our child can't get a permit to drive or learn to drive. But for us, we might need to start investigating more you know, maybe in some state or some countries at 15, you know, the, 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 um, your child might be able to get a permit. So for um, a child that, um, I'm sorry, <laughs> someone is driving, you know, riding a bike outside, it's kind of noisy. Um, I'm not sure, you know, you'll have to go by the state you're living in or the country you're living, depending on who's listening to my voice and where you're living. So I'm in the United States. So within my state, the, you know, children or teenagers have to be at, you know, at least 16 years old to get a permit. My son is 15. He voiced that he wanted to drive from day, from he was like 13, you know, he wanted to drive. And I noticed that he was very interested in that. What I did was, Every now and then, like we're walking on the street, I would let him become very familiar with signs. You know, especially the don't walk and, you know, watch the numbers. Even though you're watching the numbers, you still have to watch for the cars. A car can pull out at anywhere at any time. You know, little things like that. You know, the meters where you have to put the money in. You know, different rules. You know, he was always curious, in other words. At 14, you know, you get the book or you let them go online to learn more about the test that they may have to take to get the permit. You let them become familiar with some of the questions that, may, that they may ask. It's almost as if you have to um, to let them start maybe a year or two just studying what might be or may be some of the questions that may ask, that they have to get an idea, a mental picture of what the test may look like, Okay. It's not going to be more or less as easy as maybe a sibling that may not have disability or their peers that may not have disability. However, some of our children will be able to drive. Okay? I'm not sure if it's long distance, if it's going to, you know, driving from one state to the other or whatever, or just driving within the town that they live. But driving is driving, and it's a very important independent skill. So with that saying, you have to, as a parent, myself is, you know, as I said, whenever I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking to myself as well. You have to, myself, we have to let our kids start ahead of time by studying the booklet, you know, the, the one, the, the booklet that's for the permit, that you get all the rules, you get all the different scenario of what if and what to do. 
This way, when they sit for the test, they are more familiar of the questions. Sometimes online, you can even let them, um, after they've been practicing this particular test or getting more familiar with it, sometimes online they have where they can even take a quiz to see how accurate they're answering the questions. You know, they can take a quiz. Maybe not all children have to do that. Maybe some children without disability may just have to um, read the book two or three times, ask their buddies or ask their parents a couple of questions, actually, um, you know, and just go and take the test, and they'll be all right. But we do know our kids need reassurance. They need to have self-motivation to follow through. They need to have confidence. They need to remember. Some kids get very anxious. But I think all these things um, somewhat disappear or decrease the more familiar we are with what would be acts of us. Okay? So driving is one of those. If you notice at 13, if you're even talking to your child or you're living in an area where driving would really promote a better understanding of independence, where even if your child is just driving within the areas that you live, you know, the, the state, don't, you know, just driving just to get around, get to school, get to the grocery store, you know, visit a friend, you know, the movie theater, just within that area or of the things of interest or things of need. It doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter. It's, it, that's, that's just as good as driving to, to a place six, four, five hours. It doesn't matter if the child is just driving just to learn to be more independent of self where it's just maybe driving to an appointment, driving to the cleaners. It doesn't matter. These are things that someone else might have would have had to take this child or this young person, but now they're capable of doing this for themselves. So again, whatever interest as far as driving, getting a permit, getting their license, these are things that we have to um, kind of let them study over a while because we understand that it's going to be a test. It's going to be a test where it doesn't matter if they have a disability or not. The test is going to be the same test that they will take along with other teenagers or other adults that will be trying to get a permit. It's not going to be watered down. It's not going to be, you know, you get five hours versus someone that get, you know, an hour or two. It's going to be the same because it's a state test. It's not a test that everyone have to take. It's a test that you want to take. It's something that you want to do. So it's not something that it's, they're going to change it in any shape or form just to compliment your child. It's going to be a test to see if your child will be capable of going from one step to the other, where, where it's the permit. Now you have uh, your legal, you have a, a a certain, you know, you have uh, an understanding with the um, motor vehicle that you can now drive. You can now get um, drive with a driver, getting um, learning to drive. 
you know, you can become more familiar with the car legally. You know, you can, um, your parents can either or a sibling can give you driver's um, lesson now, or it can be paid for. But either way or however you want to do it, it have to be that understanding that if our children are motivated for this particular skill of driving, we have to put more time into allowing them to absorb all the information that will be given for the tests, understanding the different signs, understanding that, you know, not because you drive a straight line to the supermarket, there might be a water main, there might be, you know, there might be a water, there might be a a flood, there might be... um, the street might be blocked because of an accident. Different things happen. So we have to get them with that understanding that routine is not always possible to follow when you're driving. You know, the, there might be something ahead and the cops might detour. So driving is an understanding that many things can change. So by letting our children get their permit, by um you verbally talking to them, other people talking to them, they will get a better understanding of what driving is. Okay? And then when they're get when they have gotten their permit and start with actually driving, then they will also learn additional information and experience to add to what they have already learned from reading and passing their permit. So that's one thing we have to think of when we notice our children having these wonderful ideas, and we know that these ideas can actually be something that become a real part of their lives. The next um, skill or additional independent that a child might be doing more than we have thought or more than even that child might have been able to do four, five years ago, you've seen such a progression as they have hit middle school. You've seen such a progression, you know, in their ability to learn and doing well and being independent in school while they're in high school. Let's say, you know, you've seen that they're just hitting milestone and they've already, they've already succumbed all of what you have seen when they were, let's say, in middle school or even in elementary school, you're seeing a new child every semester, okay? And, and let's say they're now in 10th grade or getting ready to go to 10th grade, as my son is. We see where um, college is a possibility. We see where skills a skilled job or, you know, a, a skilled employment might be a possibility. What we need to do is we need to start researching on different things that our children are displaying an interest to. 
okay? So whether it's, if, you know, if your child is capable and you will know your own child better than anyone else, you will see the grades, you will see the understanding of new materials being taught, you know, being understood. You will see, you will see, you will see, okay? It's not a guessing. You actually know from looking at this child that it's a possibility. This child, um, you know, is hooked on being a plumber. And, you know, this is what this child wants to do. Well, when you see that, and not only do you see that the child want to be a plumber or want to be, you know, want to be a nurse's aide, you know, or want to be an LPN, whatever that child may have in their mind or have set their mind on becoming, you see that it's a possibility. What you have to do is you cannot wait until the the time that the child is 18 or, you know, 17 and getting ready to leave um, high school. No, no, we can't do that because our children need to dream big. And when they do have a particular dream, we need to dream big along with them. So what we have to do is your child want to be a plumber? Well, we know that they can't be a plumber at 14. But what we do know is we can introduce them to different things that can um, allow them to see what a plumber's day would be like. What we can do as a parent, we can investigate different schools that teaches people to become plumbers, okay? We can see if these schools that are capable are willing to teach our children, we can investigate them. We can see, we can, we can investigate these schools. We can investigate these different um, journeys even before our children even get ready to go on them. Whatever they, your child dream, whatever my child dream, if we see that it's feasible, if we see that it's possible, we have to go ahead of these journeys, the, you know, um, I would say um, prior to, like, you know, your child is in early intervention, elementary, middle school, high school. When we see the last of middle school and we see our children have shift to the point where we know that this child is more, is more now in our head capable of being on their own or capable of being very independent with some help from sibling or family, but they are capable of holding a job, understanding skills, you know, going to college. We need to go ahead. This is the only time for the most part that we are going to go ahead of that journey and, and kind of look what it looks like. You know, we're going to go and clear the clear out that area before our children get there. You know, we're going to go and investigate the different schools. We're going to talk to people. We're going to go to their counselors and ask them, you know, where is there a trade school? Is there a particular college or colleges that, that um, not only accept IEP students coming into the college or, you know, or 
if it's a trade school, not only do they say they accept our children, but we want to see how much of our children have graduated. Because, you know, they do have colleges because they have no choice, you know, or a trade school. It might not have any choice because it cannot discriminate against um, a child with disability or autism, you know, how, whatever that child falls in as far as category of um, diagnosis. Because like I said, your child could have autism and also have several different diagnoses along with it. So um, let's just say for the matter of fact, so in order for that college to continue getting money, federal money and all of that from the government or that particular program, they can't discriminate. But we don't just want to put our children into a program and not see where it's going to be fruitful. You know, so we as parents need to go ahead and clear all of that nonsense out. Nonsense in the meaning of you don't want your child to go to a trade school and the school have been there for 50 years and only 10 students have not only graduated, only two have gotten a job. So we're going to compare schools. We're going to compare vocational schools, colleges. We're going to we're going to compare them against each other to see which would be suitable and which would be better. We're going to go on campus. We're going to ask for a tour. We're going to talk to people. We're going to meet people. We're going to go and ask about people. So this is where we sort of like get a little bit in the driver's seat and go ahead. You know, we're going to travel ahead before our children even need to be at that particular location educationally. We cannot wait like most children that don't have a disability. You know, it's like maybe the middle of 11th grade, they're like thinking, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go away and I want to go at this particular school and I'm going to, you know, and I'm going to um, submit my my application to this school or that school or this school. We can't do that. You know, we can't do that. We have to make sure that so many different things are in place. You know, if our children are going to go away, we got to make sure that they got proper support. You know, not support that's on the paper. We have to go and visually see for ourselves, speak to people, do things. You know, we have to constantly compare which school would be a better fit for our children. So like I'm saying, if your child is capable of doing doing four-year or two-year or going to a trade school wherever surpass high school, what I'm going to ask you is when you see these different things being displayed in your child, right? You need to um, totally start looking into placement. Not placement where you're going to call up and say, well, um, my child is ready for this particular program, but you want to see if it's a possibility that this particular college would be okay for when my child is ready for school, which means that are this particular trade school, which means that when your child hit 11th grade going into 12th grade, 
you won't be as you won't be lost because you have already did your background work. You already did your investigation. You are ready, just like the other moms. You know, just like the other dads, just like the parents that of the child that have no disability. You are just as prepared because you're not just going to send, you know, an application to a thousand colleges. You're gonna send an application to the three college, you know, one number one that you hope they get in. Number two, it won't be too bad if they get number two and number three, you know what? It's still a good school. You know, because we can't do what the other parents do, where, you know, they send out 150 different applications. We can't do that because we know even though our children are independent, we still know that they're going to need more support than the other students that are coming in as freshmen in their college. You know, the other students that, you know, are doing the, the, the trade to become a plumber or whatever that job or that career, whatever our children want. When we see them displaying that this is what I would like to be, this is what I see myself doing when I get older, it's for us, it's not a fantasy, it's not a dream, it's preparing, it's going on that journey, searching, researching, going to that particular school, asking for a tour, seeing how their... Um, Department of Disabilities set up, seeing, you know, seeing people in person instead of reading what we have read online. You know, we have to do the footwork that when our child hit 11th grade, 12th grade, we are just, we know it's going to be maybe three or four places, but it's three or four terrific places that wherever they land, we know that they are going to be successful because there are going to be people there that want them to be successful. There are going to be people there that are there just to make sure that they are a success in that particular career, in that particular skill, in that particular trade. So 10th grade for someone, for a parent of a child that is displaying the knowledge, the understanding, the the stamina to actually pursue this particular career. Tenth grade is not too early for you to start investigating colleges. That's what I'm doing right now for my son. He's going to the tenth grade, and I'm already investigating the colleges that are within, you know, where he doesn't want to go away to stay like his brother did at school, you know, away at college. So I'm already investigating colleges that he will be able to attend. And not only am I doing that, but I've already reached out to the guiding counselor at his school. And, I, and she, you know, she said, well, you know, you can just go online. And I explained to her, I can go online. However, you as a guiding counselor, you have more experiences with the colleges that not only say that they're going to do something on paper, but actually have done it. You have had students in the past that have been successful. Now, when school opened, I would like to speak to you about some of these different colleges where you as a guiding counselor have the experience of 
speaking to students that have already finished that particular colleges, you know the status of that school as far as graduating, as graduation go, where you know the numbers of students with disability that actually graduate every year. I need to speak to you in September because I don't want to waste my time on a thousand different colleges and still only come back down to that one college that's good or that two college that may be good for my son. I just want to concentrate on the four colleges that is, is going to be good for us as a family. It's going to be good for him. So this is the mindset that I want parents to get into, that when you see a child is displaying any kind of understanding of what they see themselves doing career-wise, I want you to jump behind that child and see if it's feasible cognitively, physically. And then when you see that the possibility is there, the hope is there, I want you to just jump on it. I want you to start investigating. I want you to to become buddies with the guiding counselor. I want you to let the guiding counselor use herself as your liaison and get you to get those tours that you can go on campus, that when that special time comes at 12th grade and your child is you know, your child is seeing their peers sending out a thousand application here and there. They're not just looking and you're not just looking and you're not frustrated, you know, by not getting a response from the 50th college. You don't need you don't need to do all of that. You know, I know that there are only four college and we and we're going to accept it because these are the four colleges that are going to be good to our children or for our children. So tonight, this is what I want us to think. It's the same thing where if you see your child has a particular talent, whether it's dancing, whether it's singing, whatever that talent is, as I said, skill, trade, college, it doesn't matter what that talent is. If you see that your child can sing, your child enjoy being in front of the, the, the camera, wants to be a model, whatever your child wants to dream about and you see where it's a possibility that this can be a career, I want you to investigate in it. If you are able, invest in it financially. If you can't financially invest in it, go and investigate if there are organizations that will invest in your child. But once you see where your child can accomplish a skill, a talent, educationally, you need to jump ahead of this journey and understand what this journey might be for your child. Keep the hope, keep the possibility, because you can't encourage when you don't know what you're encouraging about. You can't encourage. You can encourage, but the encouragement, it, it, it sticks better when you can dream along with your child. 
Okay, so I want us to get in the idea that whatever we see that our children are enjoying doing, understanding that this can become a career for them, love doing it. Because the thing is, if your child enjoy being doing something, I'm sorry, someone is racing outside my window. I'm sorry, but um, many things that. We know that you want in life do not come easy. And that's for the average person. So just think about our children, how hard it's going to be or how much longer it's going to take them to actually accomplish this particular thing. Some things that they may even want to do, when they finish college, they have to take a test to become certified or registered or however. So we are going to travel before them and educate them that I know you want to be a plumber, but a plumber is not just fixing a sink. A plumber also, a good plumber, a master plumber can also fix a boiler. You know, you want them to understand that the job is the job is wonderful and you're proud of them that they're even thinking of that. However, you want to Educate yourself on what details or what they're going to have to do to reach, to accomplish this particular whatever they want to do. So you, I, need to travel ahead. So this is like one of those gray areas where we need to let them continue doing what they're doing in school, and we need to travel and go and investigate what they need to know what they need to do. Do we really see them um, doing all of this in order to get to where they need? You know, are there good um, people that are capable of, um, you know, helping them along the way? We need to investigate because we already know. I mean, lots of us as parents, we would have loved to become doctors and all of this, but at the end of the day, when we... um, Some of us may have tried different things that we want to do, and we understood that, um, you know, we weren't able to stick with it because we didn't, you know, we weren't good at math or we weren't good at biology or whatever it might have been that we weren't good at. And that was something that was needed, that peace was needed there. You know, if the child wants to be a dancer, the child is going to have to know it's not going to always be the, the, the steps that they love to do or the music that they like to dance, or um, dancing, you know, when they want to do, they're going to have to probably understand that, you know, every Saturday, every Sunday, you know, you're going to have to go to the dance studio, and you're going to have to stay there four or five hours, or you might even have to stay there until you get to do, to you know, you get to learn this particular step or this particular routine. So we're going to have to not only say, oh, my God, they want to be a photographer. Oh, my goodness, it's so wonderful. We're going to have to understand that we're going to have to go and investigate becoming a photographer. A photographer might be standing four or five hours at a wedding, four or five hours at a, at a particular occasion. You know, is your child, is my child capable of doing that? without becoming bored, without becoming anxious. So these are the things that we have to investigate along with encouraging 
our children with their different dreams. But when we invest, investigate, excuse me, when we investigate and we find out what the details are, then we can sit down with our best friend, which is called reality. You know, you know, it's called reality. Then we're going to have to sit back and think about all the different things that go along with getting to this particular area of becoming a photographer or a chef. You know, we're going to have to look at the reality. A chef is someone that might be standing for two, three, four hours, depending on where the child works, you know, with, depending on where, you know, not the child, depending on where this person works. You know, a chef is someone that has to prepare different menu and have to, you know, be very fast in their thinking, you know, fast speed, you know, everything goes fast, you know. It's someone that has to stay calm within the craziness. So we're going to look at the different things that our children want. We're going to encourage it. But before they get to that spot, that area, you know, 12th grade, when they're, you know, graduating and now they're ready for the big finale of, you know, I want to be a chef, you know, I want to be a photographer. We need to investigate this area, this whole photographer and chef thing or whatever your children want to be, my child want to be. You know, and then when we finish investigating, then pieces by pieces we can share with our children. You know, you know, you, we can, you know, before they become disappointed, we can, you know, go and look at the different, you know, bring them to the camera store, look at the different cameras. We can investigate cameras for those of you that can, can um, in, you know, invest financially. We can take them out and, and watch them and see if it's just an interest or something that can really go beyond an interest. You know, see them take pictures. Actually ask them, you know, well, you want to be a photographer, but um, would you like to be enrolled in a class on Saturdays that you learn more about cameras? We have to do these things because when we are working within our children's dreams, and we're actually doing the footwork, and we're actually there, their accomplishment become more, it increase, and their success also increase in this area. You know, we can't wait till the moment that they are getting ready to do it. We can't do that. We have to be ready two years before they're ready, as long as they continue dreaming of this particular career or educational Whatever it want, whatever they want to do, dancing, you know, whatever, singing, we have to be prepared to go to our children with information and say, well, you know, you want to dance, but you have to understand that dancing school is not just going to teach you the same routine every day. You're going to have to learn different routines. You're going to have to be with a different teacher, maybe the teacher that you're going to be with. You might not be fun of her, but that's the way it is. You're going to have to understand that it's snowing outside, but as long as the classes um, are, are, you know, are going on, we're going to have to go. Because if you don't go, 
the instructor might say, you didn't come, so you can't dance next week. So these are things that we're going to have to investigate, you know, in order for our kids to become successful in a career or whatever they're thinking they want to do. When they hit high school, ninth grade, and we know that we're seeing different changes in them, and we're seeing big possibilities, we're seeing big hopes, we have to let them understand that the fact that you want to be a fireman is wonderful. I'm proud of you. But you need to go and study the different skills and the different things that go along before even becoming a fireman or a firewoman or what have you. We need to understand some of the things that need to be understood that we can share it with our children and they can digest it and they can now see if this is something they want to do. You know, we, you have to because becoming a fireman is not just a dream. You know, they have to... They have to study. They have to go to classes. They have to do different things. It's, you know, I don't know how long the process is, but it is a process. It's not something that you show up to work and you like it and you get it. So we have to dream with our children, encourage our children, but we have to leave the dream and walk the reality that we can bring back information that's accurate, that our children can sit back and digest it and can really look and while they're looking into themselves, we need to look also and understand that, you know, some dreams are so possible, but it takes a little longer. It takes more studying. It takes a lot. So we're going to have to travel before our children in every dream as far as career and skill to see if our children will be capable of hanging in there for the four years hanging in there for however long, hanging in there until that dream become a success, become, you know, something real. We're going to have to go visit these schools. We're, you know, want to be a fireman, firewoman, what have you. We might have to go to our local fire station and, you know, and just ask, you know, and see what is the things that need to be done in order to accomplish this career move, okay? So these, this is just one of the things that I wanted to talk about tonight. Also, some of our children will be able to get jobs, you know, as teenagers, yeah, you know. They hit 14 in some state, 14, they get their working papers and other countries, I don't know, I work, you know, as far as what age children can act, you know, young people can actually work. But let's just say, you know, let's just leave it as a safe um, age where we're going to say 15. So at 15, your child can work. And at 15, your child is working. What we need to do is we need to teach our children how to bank, Okay, we need to take them to the bank. We need to teach them to fill out the necessary paper. We need to teach them how to ask for help from, you know, go inside the bank, ask for help 
from one of the people that work at the bank. We need to teach them how to use the ATM machine. We need to teach them the safety of using the ATM machine. We need to teach them that you don't tell other people your code for your um, for your card to get into your um, account. We need to teach them to be safe. We need to teach them to be alert. We need to teach them how to be aware of their surrounding. We need to teach them where and where not to ever take money out because the possibility of being robbed is is there. So we need to teach them that you don't take money out at an ATM that's in a store. You don't, you know, we, you know, we're going to have to not only take them to the bank and and teach them how to deposit their money and teach them how to save. We're going to have to teach them how to be safe. So safe and saving money go together. We're going to have to teach them not to tell people how much money they have in in their account, not to even tell people that they do have an account. So um, once our children start working and they are independent and they're capable of going to work and, you know, take the bus or the train or maybe even drive, we're going to teach them that there are things that they do not discuss in a regular conversation. Okay? There are just things that they do not talk about in a regular conversation with the people they work with or the people that they're around, okay, including some family member, friends, whatever you want to call it, okay? We're going to have to teach them that when you put money in the bank, it's private. You don't share that with anyone. You don't tell anyone that you have a, a, a card. You don't bring people with you when you're going to take your money out. You don't bring people with you when you're going to put your money in the bank. You just, it's private. It's like, you know, don't want to sound weird, but it's like taking a shower. You go take the shower by yourself. It's your business. You're in there. It's your business. Doesn't matter when you brush your teeth, if you brush it after you take a shower or not. It's your business. It's the same thing with the bank. You don't tell anyone you have an account. You don't tell anyone when you're going to put money in. You don't tell anyone when you're going to take money out. You just It's just your business. You know, you teach them where to go and take money out. So because in order for them to be safe, to be very safe, they have to understand that they don't discuss money with no one. It's just a subject that they don't include themselves in. So these are like little tips. You don't wait until they're 15 that they start working. You will know your teenagers that are capable of getting their working papers or they're capable of having a job and being paid to do the job. You will, you will know. I will know. We will all know which of our children are going to be capable to master the skill of getting up, going to work, driving, or taking public transportation, getting there, and getting paid. So before they even get their first job, maybe a year prior to that, we need to start seriously not only letting them go into the bank with us, but actually let them have some part of learning how to bank their money, you know, letting them get into the mindset that this is something that you just don't discuss. You don't pull money out in public. You take money and put it aside of what you may want to use. You need to go in the store. 
you're going to the store with your card, be very alert of who is watching you, you know. Or you may want to, on the weekend, you may want to take out $30 if that's all you might need. Or an emergency money, that's all you're going to carry with you. So that way you're not going to take your card out anywhere. You're going to have this money. If you're at work, you're going to bring your lunch, you're going to bring your snack, which means that you don't need to buy anything, so you don't need to you don't need to show money or have no one know you have money. So these are just skills that we need to teach our young people prior before they even start working. And the last one that I'm going to go um, into tonight is um, shopping. When you see that your child has gotten to the point where they are displaying uh, uh, an independence of going shopping or, you know, or meeting up with friends at the mall, and you know that they uh, um, want to do this particular skill, or even if you go to the mall and you shadow watch them, and when I say shadow watch them, you might sit outside, let's say it's young ladies, you shadow watch them, it, it simply means that you're standing outside of the store, which means that they can't come out of the store without you seeing them. So you already know that they're in the store and they're safe in the store because they have your number, you have their number, they know to call you or at least go to the security at the door and say someone is bothering me. So you already know that they're okay within the store and you're standing outside of the store. So that's where you're going to do your shadow watching that no one don't lure them outside of the store or, no, you know, or they don't go where they don't want to go or, you know, or not following the routine or what, what was prior discussed before leaving the house, okay? You cut it down. You let them know which store you want to go to. They might give you five store, not to say that there's a fifth store that they can't go, but they're going to tell you what, where they want to go what they're going to go, who they're going to meet up with. You meet up with these young people, and you're going to shadow watch. You're going to stay outside of the store. This is because you've already taught them how to shop. You've already watched them. You've already discussed money and change. You've already let them know that it's okay to use your phone and see how much things are or how much things could be that they're knowing that they have the right amount. You've already taught them how to use their receipts and read their receipt, okay, and the size of the clothing, and if there's a dressing room, to ask if you can use the room. So you've already taught them all of this because all of these things that I'm saying now should have already been spoken to and a clear understanding before any child go into a store and shop. Okay, so you're doing your shadow watching outside, making sure that they don't leave the store, that they're safe in the store, because you're going to have to just do this one particular routine many times before you start feeling secure that you can just sit down and have lunch or read a book or on your phone, and they just go from store to store. You're going to have to have a full understanding of their safety, awareness, Okay, so they go in the store and they do their business and they come out and you ask to see what they bought because sometimes the people that are within the store can be very pushy, as we know, 
and might just turn them from buying something else to buying what they want them to buy. So we are going to say, what did you buy? And you're going to look it over and you're going to see if it's something that is appropriate or it's something that they really like or weren't pushed to buy. Then when you go through that, when you go through that with them, you look at the receipt and you ask them, if they understood the receipt, if they think they got the correct change, you look it over, it's the correct change, you know, we're on the ball, we're doing great. Then they hit the other store. Then you stay outside and you let them do, and you let them do, and you go to the store and you let them do until you are comfortable enough that you can say, well, I'm going to go to this store and you're going to be at that store. And when you're finished with that store, you call me and you keep talking to me until you get to the store that I am. And while you're in the store that I am, you keep talking to me on the phone until we meet up. Then I am sure that you're in the store. I know you're in the store. I'm aware that you're in the store. And then you can go to your section and you keep speaking to me on the phone. Until, again, you are secure in understanding and they understanding their safety awareness, their environment, which means the only time they can be on the store is when they're speaking to you and you're getting an understanding where they are and they're safe and you're shadow watching either in the store or outside of the store. But they can't be talking to their friends at home because that's a distraction they cannot be having their headphones on because that's a distraction. Someone can pick them. Someone can go in their pocketbook and take their money. They need to be fully 110% alert of their environment. They need to be taught how to carry their bags. The young men need to be taught how to carry their wallet, what to take out of their wallet, which means if you're going into the store and you're just getting a, a pair of jeans, you don't need to take out your purse and flash and let someone see that you got thousands of dollars or four or five hundred or you got three credit cards, what have you. If you're going into that particular store, you're going to get a pair of jeans. You only need to have thirty dollars in your in your pocket and you pay for it. You pay for it with your thirty dollars and you come out of the store with your change. So if you want to teach them how to put certain amount of money in this pocket and certain amount of money you know, you can get jackets that have zipper inside where they can actually keep their purse or their wallet with extra money, which if they've run through the money that they intend to spend and they would like to spend some more money, then you know what? They can go to the bathroom, close the bathroom, the stall door, close the bathroom door, and they can then remove extra money, put back this wallet in the zipper part in their jacket, all right, the inner jacket or their, their, their sweatpants have a zipper to the side. What, however, they're going to keep their monies, okay? Take the extra money and then go back into the shopping area, but not flash money, not flash credit card, not flash debit card. Don't do any of these things. While they're learning how to become aware, you let them only have the money and extra money they need. So if it's a pair of pants that they're going to buy, $30 or whatever, then they just have that $30 in that pocket, which means if somebody's watching them, because sometimes our kids might display different, you know, different behavior where someone can say, well, you know, yeah, this might be easy picking for me to rob or, you know, or whatever the, the case might be. 
But if that person is standing there watching and notice that this per- this child or you know this young person only have thirty dollars, they are going to remove their eyes from this child, their eyes from this young lady, their eyes from this young man. They're going to remove it because there's nothing there to take. You know, this person went in their pocket and only pulled out $30. The pants was $25, and they got $5 back. No one is going to rob you for $5 in a mall. So that child is still safe. In the other pocket, the child might have $30 more. So now they have the $5 from the change, and they switch it over to the pocket that have $35, which means that if somebody, again, is watching them, they're not seeing that they're going in and out of pockets where they might have other extra money on them. They're only seeing them going in this one pocket and taking out the money and pay for it. So even if they have $35, if the, you know, if the shirt was $25, they only have $10, no one is going to mug you for $10 in the mall. Someone wants to rob somebody in the mall, they're going after more than $10. So you're going to teach your children how to safely separate money and not flash money. And for that, you're going to shadow watch them in the store and make sure they're doing what they're supposed to do. You're going to make them show you how they're putting their money away. And then when they got that whole staying in the store safe by themselves, then you can shadow watch outside of the store and wait for them to bring out their goods and going through it and looking at the receipt and and so on and so forth. So um, tonight these are just um, different skills, different talents, different, different know-how that um, I'm also learning myself. You know, I, I've learned different pieces, and I'm still putting the puzzle together because without children, even though we learn that, my son is capable of shopping online. I had to let him know how to shop online. You know, I had to let him know how to shop in the store. He knows how to shop, but I'm just sharing with you. There's shopping and then there's being alert. Then there's being aware. There's just a bunch of different things. You know, shopping may include going to the bathroom. You know, your, your child needs to learn to be vigilant in the bathroom. They need to learn to lock the door when they get into the bathroom. They need to be very safe, you know. They need to, they need to learn their surrounding. They need to be watching everything. So these are things that I, myself... You will have to learn different things. We learn this, and we add this to it, and we share it with our children. We learn this, we add it to it, and we share it to our children. Because from going from one mall to the other mall, there might be more things that you have to share with your children. It might be a different safety setup. It might be less security people in that building, and so on and so forth. And some mall, every store might have a security guard or two within that store. So, you know, we have to keep learning and keep teaching and keep adding on to what has been learned and taught. So I'm going to say good night. It's always a pleasure sharing with everyone that is listening to my voice. Um, like I said, um, in many video, many, I'm sorry when I say many videos, I've shared in many podcasts that 
my um, my idea or my thoughts or experience that I'm sharing on my podcast is going to be different compared to other platforms that are out there for autism because I really think that being real and living the real is better than living in your head, in my head. The world is not beautiful, but we can make it beautiful. The world is not fair, but we can make sure that we get our slice of what we're supposed to get. People are not always nice, but we are going to have to learn the ones that are. And people can still be nice, and they have a moment when they were just not nice. So we're going to have to learn the realness. So sometimes my podcast might come across like, you know, not so nice, being a little mean. But you know what? At the end of the day, regardless of how independent our children are, we would like to know that at some point they are aware of their rights. Even if they're nonverbal, even if they're in a wheelchair, they are aware of their rights and they're capable, if we're not there or if we don't have to be there, to stand up for these rights. So this is why I'm not going to sugarcoat, I'm not going to candy coat anything. It is what it is. Your child want to be a fireman. No one is going to make him a fireman for real, for real, unless he or she can pass the test. They're just things. As our kids get older, I know that sometimes it's hard to find where they fit, but we're going to have to investigate and figure it out along with them or figure it out before them that when they get to that point, we have some answers. So good night, and um, please subscribe, and please share my podcast with anyone or everyone that you feel that it could somewhat encourage. Again, good night. Have a fabulous weekend. Thank you for listening.